Here. Number two, approval of the minutes. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes from January 19, 2024? Mm -hmm. March 30th. Minutes were not uh, including the package. It was meeting if they were not meeting yet. So what do you propose to do? So we'll continue to the March 30th. Okay. Thank you. Public comment. This is an opportunity for any member of the public. And thank you all for being here. This is a uh, opportunity to speak on any item that is not on today's agenda. I believe we have speaker cards. Do we? Okay. Oh, perfect. You're over there. So if you fill out a speaker card, that's great. But you can do it after if you want to speak to the uh, commission. Go ahead and do so now. You can fill that out after. Okay. Will we sign the list? Will we need a card also? Yes. 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 Do I need to go get a card and sign the list? Yes. Okay. What's the yellow for yellow? Spiders at this one. Good afternoon. Chair, members. I'm Doug Mann, Secretary of Citizens for Balance Growth. Some of you may only have a vague idea about CGP and the Doherty Valley Settlement Fund. We would like to present an overview. Our fund is used in very similar ways as the Altamont Fund. And today's meeting is ironically similar to the meeting that happened 25 years ago that led to the creation of the Doherty Fund. Here's some history. In late 1998, the Zone 7 Board held a public hearing on the subject of selling water to customers in Contra Costa County. That's outside Zone 7's district borders. They hastily agendized new documents and gave everyone little time to review. The process was being ushered through too quickly. Many people, including CBG and some of our executives, such as former Livermore Mayor Don Miller, Former Zone 7 Director Martha Tracy, former LBJ USD Director Jim Day, as well as Livermore Vice Mayor Tom Ryder, future DSRSD Director Tom Ford, and Sierra Club Cynthia Patton pointedly informed Zone 7 that they were about to break the law. CBG sued, and we ended up with a settlement sourced from funds from San Ramon uh, Housing Development. Three of our four grant, uh, three of the four grant requests before you today, rely on our fund in order to close escrow. And I give a website on this so that you can learn more about the history of the fund. This committee has only ever had one grant on any agenda to my knowledge, about one per year. Today you have an unprecedented four grant requests before you representing about 25% of an increase of all proposals over 25 years. Livermore hastily applied for these grants only last Thursday. Put on an agenda so quickly all of this stuff and have a special meeting so soon is a big mistake. Chair Wilson, on Tuesday, we asked you to cancel this meeting and we regret you didn't find that to be a less We are hopeful that as soon as the rules allow, one of the honorable board members will move with support of a second 
that items four, five, and six be continued to a future date and allow us to work things out with Livermore so that there won't be any funding gap to deal with. These projects should not be delayed, mishandled, or compromised. But we need time to make sure we avoid a failed outcome on any of them. Thank you. Is there anyone else from the public or online that would like to speak on an item that's not not on today's agenda? Yeah, yes, here. Two so, so this is for items not on the agenda. So yes. it's just a brief comment regarding the way things go and when we put things in order so fast. And there's always usually a hidden agenda behind it. My name is Kelly Gavea, and I run a nonprofit rescue for animals. We have over 350 animals. I've been doing it for over 16, 17 years now. 100% funded by my family and the public, and every penny goes to them. I take no salary. And it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. And I have learned that people that are in your positions genuinely, genuinely care. Planners, developers, you guys have all got people in your ears constantly pulling at you, want money, want this, want that, for this and that. But there are things that say today that don't cost you any money, that don't cost any hardship, if there's no repercussions in the future, in the existence that they are right now, and they should be allowed time to be able to do the thing and be able to acquisition it themselves. And there are huge groups throughout this Tri-Valley area with an incredible amount of influence who all want to participate in that acquisition. So that way the taxpayers don't have any problem having to handle this. So take the burden and any liability in the future from the things that you do with this acquisition, because there is hidden agendas in it. This kind of thing doesn't happen without it being there. And I wanna say something, my husband happens to have a trucking company. And if you take a nice little drive up that Altamont and go up over it, you will see brand new battery storage operations facility that was acquired for $6 million on 150 acres. But as you drive in the slow lane, you're going to start seeing burn marks all in the road, huge burn marks from semi-trucks that our governor has insisted have a regen system in it that produce more toxic waste and more fumes than ever you could have possibly imagined. And it's squashed. It's not put. All of these electric vehicles, none of it, and the damage that they're causing is not put on the news because they have an agenda. But you can see the burn marks and the Tesla marks and everything else all along and up and down the sides of the freeway. You can look for yourself and see them. And yet we've built hybrids that are efficient and they're a nice balance and we're ignoring them. Eight years ago, all of you in this room remember the huge crisis that we had here in California with our energy and our electricity. You remember, we had no power. And in the heat and in the winter, we were all suffering because we hadn't had the power and we had to buy the power from Oregon and Washington and Arizona at a cost five times more than what we were putting out. And we got Schwarzenegger in there, God forbid, somebody who's literally in, in the public's eye. And he reconciled it. And he made it so we could all enjoy the rest of our summer. Nobody was thinking of the consequences of the mass intake it's going to take to have battery power and the toxicity and all of the problems that's going to have with these battery plants and then burning up 
Last year, my husband was in one of those trucks that caught on fire and burned up, and he almost lost his life. And nobody knows about it because they're hushing it up. You people in this room have an immense amount of power, an incredible amount of power. And everybody coming to you, 99% of the time, you're all saying yes. You have the right to say no. You have a right. You don't owe these developers anything. The source of government is one purpose, to protect its people and its property. That's what you're supposed to be doing because you genuinely care. And none of you are going to be in the positions you are in another 10 years from now. Is this the legacy that you want to leave? People leaving in droves because they can't stand toxicity and battery plants that are being put at the bases of the Altamont because that's the best place because what they didn't tell you in the governor's new plan is that those semi trucks that are all now going to be powered by batteries, they can't make the load when they're showing them and they've got their and nice female. I, I appreciate your comments. Your time is, I, I'm your time is just, I'm almost just closing. Those battery trucks, trucks, when they're fully loaded, can't make the trip up there. That's why they need to have power stations everywhere because they can't make it. So who's going to absorb the cost of that? All of us. All of us. And who's going to be able to handle all of that electricity? All of us. And when there's fumes and the people are leaving your cities and your counties because they don't want to be here anymore, and they're leaving in droves at over 45,000 people per year, is that what you really want? Or do you just want to wait a little bit and take a breather from it all and say, you know what, let's get back to this later? Because right now, that land is being handled really well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do we have any more speakers that want to speak on items that are not on today's agenda? I thought there was one more person in the back. Thank you, Jesus. We wanted to speak on the cross when you get the item six, I think it is. Okay. Okay, thank you. I have a question for council. Is there a way we could just go four, five, and six together? Hear, them, hear the staff presentation <laughs> together? That way the staff doesn't have to go in and out, in and out, in and out. We can just, we can vote on them differently, separately, however we want. But I'm wondering if the staff just can present all three at once, if that's okay. That's all right, you guys? Just so they not interaction, just we can speak on, public can speak on the items individually as many times as they want. If they want to speak on four, five, and six, we'll give them the time. But just for a staff's perspective, I think just run through all three of them. Uh, ordering the agenda is at the chair's discretion. So if you would like to uh, move items around as long as they are properly agendized, that's fine. Uh, the, any action taken on those items should be clear as to which item the, the action is on. Okay. So is that okay with the members just to have staff present all three items at the same time? Well, <laughs> going that way, I'd rather consider each one individually. Neither of the people. But you can still consider it individually. I was just going to have staff present you know, four, five, and six together. But if, if I don't have consensus, then I'm not going to do it differently. So we just go to items one. Question Procedure. Issue was raised that the that these were put on very quickly, and the public hasn't had a chance to really investigate all these different items. I understood that this meeting was called several weeks ago. I'd like a timeline from somebody, if anybody knows when the city came to meet this committee to ask for this specific committee meeting. Uh, my recollection is that uh, the city informed the committee, I believe in January, that they would have grant applications. Um, we were not informed of the particular the specific properties 
uh, until um, last week when we received those different applications. Yeah, and the end of yeah. right before the holiday. Yeah, it was before the holiday. That's when Steve Stewart. Back in December, was. I'm mean, sorry, it doesn't say me. Because we received the applications. But these percent presented in May, maybe back in December. There was a there was a reference under. Uh, future agenda items, I think, by Mr. Stewart yes. in our November meeting that right. this would be coming. Yes. Nothing came. And then I think you, Riley, at the last meeting, made reference under future agenda items that this would be coming to the next meeting, I think. That's the way I remember. That's my yeah. I'm just wondering because the next meeting is actually March and this is a special meeting. I'm just wondering if, if the committee thinks the public's had enough time to. Uh, Early investigate all these different uh, ins and outs and political political politics uh, behind some of this and whether the, we need to put this off to the March meeting. Else, want to? Oh, I don't. But I'd second that. I, I, I can tell you that it has not been staffs or this committee's. Particularly, staff's role in the plan in the past to look at the political issues or, or anything like that involved in considering a grant application. This settlement agreement is very specific about what criteria the committee uh, is supposed to consider in considering a grant application. So, it's the habitat value, the, the scenic value, and, and the Value for uh, not motorized recreation. Primary criteria citing settlement agreement. So, any other political issues or anything like that have not been considered by this committee in the past. That I believe that would be more in the purview of the acquiring entity or the, the, the grant applicant. I think my only concern is that we've, and, and I think this is more of a council question. Normally, the applicant is a group, special interests, East Bay Regional Park, special district, uh, property owner. I don't know if we've ever done one in conjunction with the city. And my concern is this: Am I, and 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 I ask this because people can turn perception into reality when you're in the political realm. Am I allowed to vote on something that's within the district of the community that I serve in? Am I allowed to vote on that? I'm more worried about that as an issue for me. Either way I vote, I came with an open mind. I understand we're not dealing with the political aspect of this, but I think David has a pretty good question. You know, But again, we are looking to acquire property. That's our goal and our task. I just want to make sure we're not heading down a path that we're not supposed to head down is my only concern. The committee has made grants to multiple kinds of entities in the past, including to the city of Livermore, and it's not been past practice to refuse uh, when something is happening on behalf of the jurisdiction of the as the assigned committee member. Okay. And I will have that, you know, the reason that these are on the agenda and this was published. Within the timelines and beyond the timelines for a special meeting under the Brown Act, 
uh, multiple actions are possible. The, the purpose of it being agendized is for discussion and action. So uh, if, if there is a desire to take action to continue the item, uh, to approve the item, to disapprove the item, those are all, all within the committee's discretion and that would just be subject to a vote. Thank you. Anyone else? So I don't know before. It would be the grant proposal for the Hartford Hills property the chair or good afternoon chair of the committee. Um, so the Steeler Board is presenting uh, four distinct applications uh, for funding this afternoon. I wanted to talk about um, the Hartford Jewels property first. Uh, but before we begin to that, I want to provide a brief um, background as to Livermore's um, open space acquisition program. So the city of Livermore has uh, their general plan policy encourage and facilitate open space preservation in and around the city. Um, and we have a robust and successful open space uh, program to do so. And the city acquires open space parcels for uh, preservation and perpetuity for open space and conservation purposes. Um, you know, open space easements are placed on those properties and often Livermore works with partner agencies like Tread Life Conservancy or the RMD or others um, to uh, manage those properties. And so specifically, oh, sorry, if you go to the next slide, that'd be great. Um, specifically, we're requesting for, uh, again, here's a map of the four parcels uh, that we're looking at. And for three of those, we're looking for open space conservation perpetuity. Um, and we'll begin with, uh, let's slide three, that'd be great. Uh, we'll begin with the Hartford Hills property that's located just to the west of Springtown. Um, so it's about 82 acres in size. You can see it's located just to the west of the existing subdivision and uh, urban growth boundary for the city of Liverpool. Um, it's bisected by Altamont Creek, um, and we've included some images there as well. You can see some of the annual grassland. There's an image there of, uh, of the wetland as well. Uh, there's areas of lowland. Next slide, please. And so the city of Vermont was contacted by the property owner um, to inquire whether the city would be interested um, for space preservation. Um, and uh, after investigating by law for a board and a site, uh, the city is interested in, in open space uh, preservation on the site. Um, so we've worked with the property owner. Uh, we've got an appraisal for the property um, and we've got an offer letter of intent for uh, about $1.9 million for acquisition of the property. So all in with other transaction costs, uh, the total cost for the project here would be close to $2 million. And the city of Livermore is requesting the Altamont uh, committee's funding for about half of that. So like $980,000. For the city of Livermore would provide the other half, $980,000 in its own open space funds. Next slide, please. So according to a uh, biological study prepared uh, by the applicant, the uh, property uh, does have significant biodiversity value on site. Uh, there have been confirmed incidences in the past of special status species, uh, particularly of red-legged frog and tiger salamander. You can see those stock photos on the left. Um, but also habitat for other special status species uh, like fairy shrimp as well. The property also has a substantial recreation value because it represents a critical gap um, in the trail network, a proposed trail network in the city of Livermore. So we're showing a graphic here of the city's active transportation plan. Um, you can see trail T6 there uh, runs along Altamont Creek and, and through the property. And so if the city is able to acquire the property, we could ultimately uh, construct uh, the rest of the, the, the portion of the trail on the property connecting 
to the Las Colinas overpass and ultimately to the rest of the city's trail network. Um, and this would connect, uh, significantly connect um, Springtown residents uh, to the rest of Livermore. In addition, uh, the property scored high, uh, high marks on uh, the committee's uh, strategic uh, land value pool uh, for its recreation purposes, given its ease of access uh, from existing centers to the east. Um, it also has, the property also has strategic value. Um, again, we noted that it's along the city's urban growth boundary. So if the city were able to acquire the property in perpetuity for open space conservation purposes, uh, we would be able to prevent further um, encroachment into open space and wildland areas uh, from the existing subdivision to the east and preserve our urban growth boundary and the result in that area. Next slide, please. So just as a recap, uh, you know, City of more staff uh, has found that the, the property does meet uh, Ultimate Open Space Committee uh, funding criteria. So we do have a willing seller for the property. Uh, City of Livermore will be providing additional funding for the property. And we've got biodiversity, visual non-motorized recreation, strategic land value. And it's for those reasons that the uh, City of Livermore requests that the Altamont Landfill Open Space Committee um, expend $980,000 in open space funds to assist the city's acquisition of the Hartford Hills uh, property for conservation and open space purposes in perpetuity. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions or comments from members of the committee? Mr. First. I mentioned that the T6 trail is uh, part of the recreational value of that area. Uh, how committed is the city to actually building that trail? This has gone on for a very, very long time. The city really has not put a lot of time and energy into this trip. And now you're telling us that because it had checked the box for recreational value, but I don't see any historic commitment by the city to actually build the trip. Are you going to tell us that the trail will be built by the city in my lifetime? So, you know, the city council has approved the active transportation plan, which calls for those trail improvements in that area. Um, and so the council would have to program construction of, of that particular trail into the city's capital improvement program. Um, but it is the intent to fulfill uh, the active transportation plan um, and construct that trail T6 to connect Springtown to the rest of the city network. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the past general plan by the city also included that trail 10, 15 years ago. That trail has been on the city's plan, been on the LARPD plan for at least 20 years. The city hasn't done it. So you're saying this new general plan, it's there, it's going to be built, but it was on the previous plans. So I'm still trying to get a commitment from somebody from the city to tell me that's going to be built. And, and, and otherwise, you should check off the box that it has in your recreational value. And I think we concur that in order for us to legitimately check that box, that we do need to take a more active approach. What happens when we own the property, though, it takes a lot more ability to actually construct that trail. We're not dealing with it. a third party trail. You need easement buying and put a trail on that. So I do think once we, once and if we buy it, if we get it, then we can program it from your CIP budget and it's our property, so we don't have to get that easement, which sometimes can be difficult. So I think that can help and we will prioritize that. Can, can you clarify that the... Uh... Yes, please, fill up. Can you clarify that the cost per acre is now $23,000? That is correct. $23,900. 23, 23, 
Yeah, so we spoke to the uh, appraiser about that. We think outside appraiser conducts an appraisal. Um, and they had mentioned that the proximity um, to the city boundary, the you know, flat uh, kind of lands of the property, and the county's land use designation to build you know, a single residence and potentially ADU as well, kind of all factored into the appraisal value. Um, and that's what we were told was a bit higher than some other parcels that may be further out. Is this within or outside the city limits? Outside. outside. So the city's going to annex this to the cities within, within the city limits? That's not the intent for part of this application. Um, the, the goal here is to own it, to preserve it in perpetuity for open space. The uh, procedure ethics of the city buying land outside the city limits? We, we've done that before to preserve open space. Um, we have a variety of examples, both in North Lincoln and South Lincoln. Either are part of the easement or old land that's under easement for permanent conservation and outside the boundaries. A few of the annual as well, spring town, um, for this express purpose of having a long-term open space. And we don't generally engage the or plan to add a I just ask, uh, how much money do you have in the public currently available to purchase rent? Um, it's over $21 million. $21 million. <laughs> that, and, yeah, is that just for the east side? Yes. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, well, in regard to the uh, price per acre, not only this one, but the others we'll talk about later, um, yeah, looking over this information, we've just recently provided um, past purchases um, and the uh, cost per acre. Um, I noticed that only only two of them was having to do with dual drug purchases. Does the purchase price, I mean, does the, does the grant amount exceed 50% of the total purchase price? Um, and it seems in many cases, most cases, it's far less than the total purchase price. Uh, here we're being asked for a grant of fifty percent of the total cost, and then some of the others are fairly large percentages as well. Uh, you describe. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the history or not, but just enlighten me on why you know, why that is in the past and why it's different now. Yeah, I think so. We look at the big picture of the funds that we have available to us and both. The Probably this new today, as well as you know, future opportunities. Um, certain funds that are available to us are not cannot be used everywhere in the city or the tri-valley area. So we have to look really carefully at which properties can use which funding. And so again, we want to just like the committee, we want to make sure our funding goes to uh, get the most bang for our buck, most acres for dollars we're using. And so. In this, in this case, we felt it was important to try to do a 50-50 split to also preserve some of the other funds we have available to us to continue to buy other properties that meet the goals of the city, as well as hopefully the committee for long-term preservation of open space. So I guess what I'm saying is 
it's a little bit of a case by case basis sometimes mm -hmm. based on where it's located, what funding we have available to us, the city to help that. Sometimes a little bit more community to help make that all work. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and I certainly understand that. You know, more recently, you know, property values do go up, of course. And a lot depends on specific properties and location, location, location. Uh, so I just want to ask staff also do, uh, has the committee in the past operated by any sort of guidelines as to the percentage of uh, purchase price in, in terms of you know, determining the rates of them? Uh, historically, the committee has favored applications that um, where the mining requested from the open space fund is not the only uh, funding source. But I don't recall the specific percentage uh, being possible with that. Okay. Um, as regards to this particular uh, property, you know, just in the grant application, there was an attachment from Older uh, Negro Environmental. Uh, I didn't see the other uh, applications, but um, this speaks primarily to the biological feasibility of, um, of uh, granting um, or purchase the property or species and habitat preservation. Uh, and it looks like there's quite a bit, um, quite a number of species that are identified here. Uh, which is in, it certainly uh, checks some of the boxes for what the uh, committee is trying to do. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess I'm wondering why there are no um, going out of order on the agenda, but you know, why do you have this analysis for this one, but not the others? Yeah, so we so we were provided by study by the applicant in this case. Uh, this has been our analysis of uh, biological resources. Yeah, so it's been, you know, we, uh, they give us information, but we also have other resources we use to determine the biological value properties. Obviously, we have a value tool here that everybody uses. We have, you know, some internal knowledge as well, some of the species that are out there, because we're going to be all decent in that area already. So we're pretty familiar with a lot of properties. So, um, Although in this case, a biological study helps, we don't always need that because we ought to have our own baseline information. So some of the other applications don't have that, but we feel strong. We already know kind of what's out there based on our experience, right? And based on the mapping tool as well that we use. Okay. So it was from the property owner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which was good information. Yeah. Yeah. Great information. Any other questions on the site? Appreciate it. <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, <clears throat> $23,000, $23,000 per acre is based on the $1.9 million price, right? And we're asking for half of that from this committee, which would be roughly half the cost per acre, right? So, all about Mr. Schneider's um, spreadsheet. Is that cost per acre for this committee? Can you explain the final cost of the cost per acre is from this total new cost? No, the total cost. Total cost, irrespective of where the money came from. Again, my, my point was if you're concerned in, about. In the past, yes. for most of those properties, it was split 50 50, certainly for the Livermore property. 
ones all the previous ones. So the remaining dollars in the in the 18 is the split 50 50. The rule in 137 is about 55% by this committee and 45% by the chairman, but otherwise, okay, and 50 50 in most cases. And for so, I just have two questions. One is normally there's ongoing maintenance costs, they're also affiliated with purchase price. I see no maintenance costs. How are you going to address the maintenance of this parcel in perpetuity? So, you know, we haven't included maintenance costs in the particular purchase price, as you noted. Um, and we do have other open space funds that we can expend uh, for maintenance. Um, and ultimately, you know, the, the goal is to place open space easements, uh, which then in and of themselves can help fund maintenance uh, operations on the property. Okay. And before I have my second question, I just wanted to inform Councilmember Nyberg reason I wanted to have them all listed is so we could do that cross analysis, data analysis, and other questions analyzing them side by side. So that was my goal, and I'm sorry I didn't articulate that well enough for you. Um, so my second question to the city is, do you, has there been another active buyer to partner with either this committee or on their own to save that land in the past? <clears throat> For this property or other properties? This, this parts in particular. I can only speak to this one because it's the item in the world. Yeah, so I'm not aware of any other um, potential buyers. Uh, we've just worked exclusively with the property owner uh, to negotiate sales price and purchase. Okay. I don't have any more questions or comments. Does any member of the committee? Yeah. Um, the Tribal Conservancy buys properties just grants that they obtain. And then puts an easement on that property to make sure it stays as open space in perpetuity. Have you contacted Tri Valley Conservancy and tried to get them involved in this purchase of the um, Parkford Hills? Not in the upfront process, um, but it is common for the city to reach out to partner agencies once we've acquired parcels uh, for long term maintenance and uh, you know, uh, open space conservation. I guess one of my, my the background question to that is the city is saying it's going to buy it for open space preservation future city council and mayor decides, well, it's right next to Springtown, no problems. Exactly. What, what is the guarantee in writing that this will stay as in perpetuity as open space? Because you don't have to go to the Federal Conservancy once you purchase it. Thank you. Can... Sorry, I was just going to make a point. May I? Um, these are subject to grant agreements. These any grant that is uh, that this committee approves and that is uh, then subsequently goes through the concurrence process and is finally approved, subject to a grant agreement, which requires the property to be preserved for uh, to be subject to um, uh, to be used only for open space purposes. If not, the money is to be returned. So, if I'm understanding you correctly. The the city could purchase this with our help, decide to make it into homes and give up, give this committee back the $980,000. If the city does not abide by the terms of the grant agreement, the grant agreement requires returns, return of the funds. There are uh, different ways to how grant agreements can be structured, such as reclamation and other tools. But historically, our grant agreement, uh, because we work with so many public agencies, 
you know, typically just requires a, a covenant that um, employs beyond the combination of the agreement that the property will be maintained for open space. And if it does not, if it is not, the funds are to be returned. So, is this property in Measure D territory or land? I want to refer it. So, I don't. Is it Measure D? Yeah, it's Measure D. I'd like to say further too, it is beyond the city's urban growth boundary. And so breaking, you know, we can't extend any services beyond that line. Um, and in order to do so, we have to promote people. So any type of urban development on the property is infeasible uh, less than until the urban growth boundary is changed. By the residents. It's outside our city boundary and our urban growth boundary. And the general plan for that is open space. So all those things would have to change. You mean the general plan? Yes. Well, in measure D, correct? Right? Measure D would have to be. Because right now, you can do one home on his 82 acres or her 82 acres. You can do one home and an ADU or a caretaker unit. That's it. Right? Correct. That's what you can do now. Okay. Is there any, any further questions from the committee? Yes, this. Uh, actually, I, I have a question about the, the uh, other source of funds. Um, so that's, that's the uh, City of Livermore Open Space Funds. Could you tell us a little bit more about those funds and those um, related to <coughs> mitigation um, fees or? Yeah, so so generally we've got you know sort of two two buckets in that area, and, and a lot, most of the funds are the transferable transferable development credit program. Um, and then we also have some uh, additional uh, funds from easements that we sell. So, so this particular property would not be used in correct? It's just, you're just, it would be using the fees paid to purchase? Yeah, so at this time, that's the intent. Um, I think in the future, depending on you know, the habitat value there, the, the city could um, you know, sell conservation easements on the property. I believe there was a, a transaction in the past that was similar to this where um, the, uh, the city did end up selling conservation easements on the property. And, and in that case, I believe they, uh, the city uh, returned money to the maybe itself. Right? Uh, I, I don't. Know of that transaction in particular, but there is a requirement in the settlement agreement that the funds not be used to acquire property where uh, it, it, uh, it, it is to be a condition of approval. So, anything that you're doing for mitigation of required as a condition of project approval would not be a suitable use for these funds. Yeah, so, at this time, the intent is to purchase the property. There, there are no projects uh, associated with the property. Any further questions or comments? Can you, can you put up uh, the slides again for this? Specifically, the uh, one that shows the T6 trail. Second to the last slide. Objection below. 
You're saying that this has recreational value because of the T6 trail. T6 trail, when the city took us out there a year ago, the T6 trail could start and was, we talked about this starting on that lower right about where the S is in Springtown. I forget the name of the street. Redwood. Redwood? Yeah. So one of the original plans to have T6 would start at Redwood, completely missing the parcel that you're asking us to help you purchase, going through an area where the developer has already said he wants to put in the T6 trail. So the T6 trail could go in without purchasing that land right there. And if that happens, then there's no recreational value specifically that's unique to this property, except to extend the T6 trail to even farther up near the end of Springtown. Is that correct? So we, in the report, we've included kind of the scoring from the committee's land conservation prioritization pool. Um, and it scores, uh, you know, 96 to 97% um, on uh, visual non-motorized recreational value. Um, and so that was the other kind of benchmark we were using to identify that this property has recreational value. Again, it's proximity to, um, you know, city boundary and and uh, general ease of access. I think had, had uh, added to that. Okay. And again, just to reiterate what Jake said before, it is it is our uh, adopted after transportation plan. So it is the city's plan to open and build the T six trail plus suite. And our plan that is still one of the goals uh, for that trail system is to have that right built. And as you said. Once, once we have the property that can maybe have only for freedom, that is. Anything else? Yes. Does the scoring tool um, require assumptions on your part or are they built into the tool? Like, if it's a piece of software, you give it some inputs and scores come out? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know the methodology behind scoring tool, um, but um, there is a tool. Do you have to come up with your let me ask do you have to come up with your own assumptions to oh. input at the beginning? Uh, no analysis. No, so we simply access the map and click on the parcel. I see. Yeah. Okay. Gives the score Okay. Anyone else? Just do we have public comment cards? Let's no public comment cards in the front. I mean on the side. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna. I was gonna open it up to the public. Yeah, right. I just wanted to, yeah. So, if there's anyone that wishes to speak from the public, please fill out a speaker card, turn it into the clerk, and you'll be allowed three minutes to address the body on this issue, item number four. Um, so, you want to call them first up? We'll go to David Perky first, and then we'll go to online. Item number four. Item number four. Doug Matt. Citizens for Bell Brook Secretary. This is an excellent example of a worthwhile open space acquisition. The criteria match is obvious, and the price seems fair. The problem is the city of Livermore demands to be the owner. On January 25th, two Native American organizations sent letters to Livermore requesting that they be given equal consideration for ownership of any land transactions involving environmental preservation on historic alone land. 
we asked Livermore soon after for an update on whether Livermore had made contact in preparation for the due consideration. They have not. The financial component of the application relies on Livermore open space funds. We believe this is a typographical error. Livermore contacted CBG a while ago about eventually using Doherty as a source for this purchase. If so, it is too confidently presented as a given. More accurately, it is just potential, as they have not completed their obligations under the settlement at this time. There is no guarantee that they will do so adequately to complete the transaction. If they attempt to draw the fund anyway, there will, they will be in material breach of the agreement, which will not only in the but potentially involve Zone 7, ESRSD, and ACFCWCD. Livermore's role is to manage the city. When an adjunct activity like county property environmental stewardship has no better option, the city can step in. What they should not do is abuse the grant process in a swiftly orchestrated land grant, knowing full well that better suited owners may exist. We urge you to deny this grant with the expectation that it will come back to you soon, possibly under modified ownership. And I would like to add, that's the end of my board approved uh, uh, comment, but thank you, uh, member first for that question on the permanence. Um, that's been a question that we have been asking about our fund, how permanent is this? And I'm very happy to have had your important information on that. Uh, I presume you're the attorney and it makes me uncomfortable. And there's a whole lot that we are going to be doing to make sure that our grant funds that have gone out in the past are permanent for those properties. Absolutely permanent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Liberal wants to keep it three minutes. You're amazing. You've been to several city council and city meetings for San Joaquin County, for Alvin County, and other areas. And um, you genuinely have a vested interest and are asking really intelligent questions instead of just taking what they give you, which is your job. You're doing what you, you guys need to do. Um, but I just want to say one quick note saying this land is already great where it is, and there are other people who are interested in actually in all of these properties. And like you said, which I did not know, they would give the money back. But do they give it back with interest? Do they give it back with the same sense of integrity that the property had before it was borrowed? You guys have the ability to say no. And you're asking great questions, Mr. Wilson. Mr. First, you're asking amazing questions. But I want to challenge the people that just recently, back in the 70s and 80s, that's not that long ago, who said, we don't have enough trees out there for the bags. So we want to start using plastic bags. Remember, we all used to have grocery bags that they didn't have to pay for them. Our grocery stores had to. They needed money. There was a hidden agenda, so they went to plastic bags. Not my ranch, which is on the Altamont. I was inundated with them. It was horrible. But after a little bit of time and then blowing against, they disintegrated into nothing, which was great. 
but then somebody got the bright hidden idea, let's get some more money. So they started charging all of us. Try being there on Thanksgiving and not buying your groceries and not having the bags. So they made these bags bigger and thicker and all under the pretense that it was going to be fantastic. We're going to clear out our landfills. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It just came to notice that our landfills had 4 million pounds in the past of plastic. Last week, they announced there's now 8 million. We're being taxed to fill our landfills. And that's something with more plastic than ever before. So now they want to bear them all together. We do things in extreme instead of just saying, no, let's think it out. And with every one of these things, you guys have beautiful questions. There's no reason because that land has all stayed there and been fine and it's going to be there if you're meant to have it. Because in the end, it's all about God. So that land's going to be there in the future. You can say no. You can say, let's just revisit this. Let's put it on an agenda for 90 days from now. And let's see these other companies that want to come in and buy this land for good reasons, good intentions that won't cost the taxpayers dollars. Let's stand up for one time for the land, for your future, for the legacies that you leave while you're here in office, while you're trying to make a difference. I am just astounded at the level of intelligence in this room and the level of good heart. And I hope that all of you guys at the end, when you sit there and look at all of this, and you'll just say, you know what, we'll put this on an agenda. Let's get a little more information. Let's make a really wise decision. Because right now, the economy doesn't bear just spending money for nothing. And it doesn't bear. Right now, your money's sitting $21 million. It's sitting there earning some interest. It's earning better interest than it ever earned 10 years before. It's earning far more. And then you want to go out and spend it and hope that somebody else is going to buy it? Pieces of it up? Do you really want to sell it to a battery plant that's going to drive people out? cause toxicity and problems? Do you want to sell it to anything else? And then you say the magic word, conservation. Thank you, Kelly. There's no proof. Time inspired, thank you. There's no proof of that when you put it in writing. Next speaker. Ms. Schneider. So I'm Dick Schneider, um, and I've got a point to make about all four of the grant proposals. I'll speak to this one, but um, it carries forward to all of them, um, them all in perspective. There are 271 acres of all four of the grants, less than 300 acres. The total cost of the this committee's share is $3,680,000. 18% of the money that's in, in the account now. So less than 300 acres will absorb one-sixth the amount of money that's there. The cost per acre, there was a cost per acre for this grant, but on the other three, I don't believe the cost per acre. Cost per acre is in the uh, application. They're all over, well, one is under six, under 17,000 per acre, but the others are in the 20s and in the 30,000s per acre. What the committee does today, if it accepts some of these, is going to set a precedent for this committee's future work. So the 271 acres that are being talked about today may very well set a precedent for how much money that this committee has to spend in the future. And there's some, John, you probably know better than I do, 315,000 acres in East County where we can spend the money, where the committee can spend the money. Have to think about 
what this precedent is going to be just in terms of the money. I do also have a question about um, the recreation uses of the, of the property. I did see the trail alignment. <clears throat> recreation is the second priority for this, the use of the open space funds. The primary priority is habitat, maybe biological diversity. <clears throat> recreation and protection of biodiversity sometimes are in conflict. You get it, people out on the, people riding their bikes, people are not around, so people go off into the, into, off the, off the trail. And so I'm wondering, how is this land going to be um, policed, if you will, to prevent those kinds of misuse of the recreational value that will harm the uh, biological value? Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Snyder. <clears throat> Next speaker. Jean Jean? I'm going to stand here. Not sure. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, I am Jean Jean. I would like to say, I think you can probably all hear me. I have a little bit of trouble hearing the attorney talking about them. Did I understand you to say that if the money goes to this property and when they don't keep it for open space, that all they have to do is give back the amount of money? to this committee and they can not keep it for open space or did I misunderstand? There is a condition of the grant agreement that requires that this acquisition be used to fund properties that will be maintained for open space. If they breach the agreement, then we have all remedies available at law and the agreement provides they must return the money. So suppose this is very close to the city's urban growth boundary. Suppose the city decides they really want to expand out and bring it in there and have it for urban growth. All they have to do is return the money that they got from you and they can do whatever they want with that property. As the city planner said, there are other obstacles to doing that that don't have to do with the grant agreement. But the grant agreement requires that the funding from this body be used to fund property that will be held in perpetuity for open space. Thank you, Sue. Okay, I'm just a little bit worried about since it is next to the body. And so what I'd like, uh, what I think might be a good idea is to require maybe the conservation to be put on this property. That's just a thought by TDC or something like that to guarantee that it will be open space. So that may not be possible. That's just my thought that's going by low there. Okay, um, uh, the other thing is, doesn't ask the city, isn't there another piece of property that's out there in that same area that's owned by the city? I understood there was one. I think I took a tour of it one time with TVC and said, here is some property that's out there someplace. And we looked at it and it's been, if this is true, and maybe I'm incorrect, if this is true, that is not being managed well by the city, as far as I can see. It's being allowed for people to use off-road vehicles on it, and it's not keeping the habitat there. And so I think it's very important that we make sure that the habitat is reserved by the city. And I'm not sure the city is taking care of another property, but I may be wrong. I would just like that cleared up. And so with off-road vehicles and things like that, that's my question. Thank you. Thank you. Any more speakers in person? Brian Sheehan. Brian? Uh, mine's on the next one, but I'll speak to the fellow's relevant. 
So thanks for having this. Uh, my name is Brian Sheehan. I'm a resident of Livermore. I represent multiple properties in Alameda County and Livermore, uh, as well as religious uh, institutions. So I'm representing a lot of different people here. We're all against how this process went, is what we're really concerned with today. Is um, I'm specifically for the cross on the hill, but it stands for this property as well. There are buyers, you've heard it from Kelly and many other people. There are many people that are seeking these properties and it would still stay as farmland and as it is today because none of it's buildable per the urban growth boundaries. What you guys are trying to set is a precedent saying, hey, we want to preserve it as a city. Well, that takes the ability for me to maybe buy the property out or some of my friends to buy the property and I have good intentions uh, of the property that I manage. So with that being said, we'd like to see at least a month's time when I saw the property, I had a week to respond to this. So that's not proper time. Brown Act, what's the time frame on that? 24 hours. 24 hours. Wow. That government working for you. You guys are working for the government. Please represent your people well. 24 hours doesn't work for me. I have a 24, 48-hour shift. I wouldn't be able to be here. Thank God I am. I'm speaking to you guys, asking you, give this proper time to have it done correctly, have more people here. This whole room, you're going to need a bigger venue the next one. Okay. No so we're representing so many people here, and you're only seeing a few faces, but there are thousands behind every face that's here. And we're all the voters. So I don't know what seat you guys sit on, what how I can vote you in or out, but trust me, as you guys cross people or help people in the community, that's how you keep your seats. So right now I'm against how it sits. Um, don't like the government taking over any more property that me and my friends can buy and manage as farm, open space, deliver more in the valley, in the community that we live in. I lived on the corner of Merdell and Alden Lane growing up. That is uh, five acres of farmland that I grew up on, wiped out. Can't see my house no more. Wouldn't even know what it looked like. Think of Ruby Hills. Okay, this is all how it all starts. The city takes on some. They say that intentions are good, <clears throat> zero growth boundary, nothing's gonna happen. Here comes a shopping mall, here comes a battery plant, here comes my cross. Jesus saves, gone. Millions of people see that every year. Same. And I'm gonna speak about that when the cross comes up. That's why I'm really here, but I'm here vested for everybody that's speaking for all these different properties. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this process. It's all Thank okay. you. Next speaker in person. What's that? I'm with the cross only. Don't we get to the cross? So anymore on item number four? Anybody online? Please let them go. Hi, I'm Carol Silva. I'm an alternate to the Sierra Club uh, representative to this committee but I am speaking on behalf as a member of the public. In addition to being a member of the public, my residence is on Ponderosa Drive, which is um, located towards the end of the paved path. And I wanna speak about a couple of different issues. One issue is that ever since um, the beginning of COVID, there are, lots of people that walk on the paved path. A lot of them sing way out loud. Some of them have electric bikes and they have 
uh, radios or whatever electronic devices attached to them. A lot of people have cell phones and they talk extremely loudly. And because it's my resident is towards the end of the pay path and the Arroyo has a nice white spot, um, people just stand there and they can talk and they can sing for hours. And I'm not kidding you. Um, anyway, but the real reason is I, I think this process is going way too fast, especially when I consider the um, our ranch conservation easement where um, there's the fiddle neck uh, plant that um, is, uh, well, we went ahead and uh, everything's been approved for the conservation easement, but there were a number, there were several meetings on that. And yet all of a sudden this springs up as a special meeting with very little notice in regards to what's on the agenda. So I'm sorry, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Why I'm talking about the paved path is because of my concern for habitat. Not only is there the noise factor that ends up scurrying out egrets and blue herons, but there's also a lot of people that feed ducks bread. Well, that's not good for ducks. Um, and it's just real disheartening because um, it, it causes them to be ill if they eat so much of it and they could die. Anyway, um, the other reason I'm saying slow down is because of the indigenous community. They should have a voice in this. You know, the Europeans, et cetera, colonized this land and created land ownership when it was the tribes that were here moving from one area to another. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else online? Uh, there are no other raised hands. We're going back to the committee. Did city staff want to say anything? Or? Yeah, um, I think if we, if I could ask Andy Ross, um, one of our staff at the city and the uh, development department, to talk. He also has two hats. He also was a big part of the space program. Like see if Andy can talk a little bit about the management of one of the, uh, a couple of our properties and generally how we approach management. If you wouldn't mind, Andy. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Just fill out the speaker card. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Uh, so there were some questions about city holdings near this site. I think city owns about 300 acres in the Springtown area. And she's right, there was a few tours, there was noticeable uh, management issues. And so city staff as part of the open space program worked with TVC um, to encumber the, that area or some of that area with an easement. We looked for outside funders to help fund the endowment so that there's money there to manage that property in perpetuity. And I think it's our intention, I'll let Mr. Potter speak to that, to do something similar with this property that was owned um, by the city. We work with our partners, such as TVC, to look for outside funders um, to, as Chairperson Wilson said, bring in money to help fund the long-term management. And a little bit of history, I think it was brought up that um, 
there was an acquisition that was funded by this committee for one of the Doolin properties that the city owns. It's um, two properties that the city owns. There's the southernmost one. It's about 100 acres, give or take. It's also adjacent to the city limits and urban growth boundaries. And as part of that um, grant agreement, and maybe Dick can speak to this too, there was, we, it was fully funded. And if the city were to get an easement or an outside a party to help manage it, the city would refund half the money or a portion of the money. And I believe that transaction happened. So um, in the long term, we, the first step is to acquire property. Then we work with our partners um, to enhance the resources and restore them and then preserve them through conservation easement for the long term. That's kind of the order of operations. Happy to answer any other questions. Thank you. Any other questions from the committee? No, I just wonder, conservation easement has mentioned several times. Is it the intent to then have a conservation easement from this property? Yes. So in perpetuity, Really mean in perpetuity in that case? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no possibility of, um, of uh, breaking the grant agreement. That's the intent. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, well, you know, I've been at the city for close to 25 years. We've never had long conservation easements. We've never built uh, you know, suburban developments on a conservation easement. Uh, we hold them long term. Hopefully, for perpetuity, that's the way they're set up. That's, that's not been our intent for many years. It's someone that's, that's open space, and that's what we've done. We have a really long track record, actually. Again, going back 25 plus years in South Lebanon, and more recently, North Lebanon, holding easements um, and keeping them as open space and managing them with partners that, um, you know, that's their specialty. Sometimes we're just having kind of a silent second partner. So we find the right folks to partner with to manage these properties. So again, I hope our traffickers speaks for itself. We have not allowed any of these conservation easements. So in case folks are concerned about that. Again, it's really important to reemphasize these easements are outside the city's urban growth boundary. Even if the city staff, for example, wanted to do something, it's not our calls. It's outside the urban growth boundary. It takes a lot of the people to extend services to these areas or developments that you need to consider. And that's a huge heavy lift, as you know. So those very well boundaries in the soil have changed. So I want to emphasize that. Conservation easements also were transaction in their own right, working with the land trust. And it takes some time, it takes some funding um, the land trusts that usually hold those conservation easements, like the trial expensive. They need resources to ensure proper stewardship maintenance of the resources. So it takes a little bit of time to negotiate. Thank you. Bring it back to the committee. Is there any more discussion? I'm, just, I'm having a hard time comprehending what appears to be a you know, straightforward, rational use of funds to you know, purchase property for the, um, for the purposes that, that we exist to do. And then the opposition or the uh, Conservation. I understand that the, uh, the 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 time frame involved, the concern about acting too quickly, moving too fast. I mean, I kind of get that, but I sense a lot of distrust of the city of Livermore, and I'm not part of the city of Livermore. And I know of some of the issues that have been raised, but I by no means know all of them. But um, I'm just I mean, 
what's the no action alternative? <laughs> if you don't get the grant um, at all, I mean, then what's the no action alternative? Somebody else buys the property? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I grapple with that same question. Uh, council member, you shouldn't be so surprised by there being mistrust in government by the community. That happens quite often. Um, my, my concern is my concern is is a process thing for me. Um, I don't fault the city of Livermore. They did brief us that this was coming, but in all honesty, if there is an opportunity for another per another partner to partner with, or another person or entity that wants to contribute to buying this, and we can keep our power dry, I certainly would like that to be fully vetted and looked at before we use our funds to do so, because like Dick was saying, we are and would be setting a precedent. We are spending a little more than what we would like to spend. But on the flip side, and what I grapple with is we haven't had applications in a long time. We don't get a lot of people coming to us for funds. So I don't want to lose the opportunity to acquire this, these parcels, this parcel in perpetuity as open space. I don't want to lose that. But I do think there's a question of process. And if there's more time that can be given, we could continue for 45 days to two months to look at those options. I think that's a reasonable approach. Yeah, yeah. I, I said share some of your concerns about process. Thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 yeah, I haven't heard of there being an active buyer before, which is why I'm sort of singing from a different sheet of music than I would perhaps be singing from. But that's new information that that we just received, and I think it should be fully that it is all I'm saying. Well, I'm not sure. The letters that they wrote didn't suggest that they were going to put any money to purchase this, right? And I think the process is, to your point, the process is for us to, for the city to, or a city to acquire the property as we're suggesting here, and then looking for partners to help manage And I think the city of Rumor is committed to reaching out to those indigenous tribes, for example, and others, to, to form this partnership so that the land can be preserved in perpetuity. The other thing I want to get back to your point is we've been grappling as a committee ever since I've been on the way before that, because you can see that the last time that we made any significant purchase was six years ago. And we've been grappling with how to spend this 20 plus million dollars that's sitting in the east side bank account, if you will, um, to purchase property for exactly the purpose that the city of Livermore is bringing to us today. And frankly, I don't know what we would, what more we would learn in the next 45 or 60 days that we don't know today. And so I don't see any reason why we shouldn't move forward with this. I think the, the guardrails in place to, to maintain this in perpetuity as open space are there. I mean, Mr. Riley has mentioned several times that it would take a vote of the people to extend the urban growth country. Sorry, Sorry Bob, you're planning. Go ahead. No. Bernard, I don't need you interrupting. Thank you. Um, it would take a vote of the people to change the urban growth boundary. And I don't think anybody has any expectation that we would go down that road of this. I think, wasn't there, I thought that there was, the owner of this property, I thought, had looked for a developer to whom to sell it. Is that, is that true? I thought I remember somebody from staff. Tell me that. Yeah. 
the, the owner did approach the city about annexation of the mill. And we said, you said no because of the nuisance, Mr. Clark. Right. And at that point, the question is raised with the city wants to buy for it. Yeah, so I mean, we've, and the owner of the property has tried to come up with other ways to do the digest. I think what that's the point is this the owner of this is, as I understand it, is getting on in age. He's looking, he or she is looking to divest some of their holdings. And so they came to the city to see what, if we'd be interested. So to me, it makes perfect sense, given that we've worked hard, this committee has worked hard to advertise, we have this money to, to purchase land for open space. Somebody has come to us, I guess coincidentally, as much as anything, serendipitously, I suppose, to purchase this. And I think it's the right time, and I don't see waiting is going to, to add any more information. I'm absolutely committed to have the city continue to look for partners if and when this is perfect. So I'm very much in favor of approving this today. Spend money just you, you got. No, just first of all, that's a little bit. I'm really a mixed mind on this because on one hand, as a trails advocate, I'm really interested in T6. So taking a close look at this, if you if you start that T6 at Redwood, then you don't need this property in order to build T6. And there is some suspicion. Gene King mentioned it specifically. There is a worry by people that are interested in preserving these areas as open space in perpetuity. The city potentially could buy this land with our help, decide to sell it to a developer, break the growth boundary, sell it to a developer who would easily give back $980,000. Yeah. And then we would expand the housing that I'll speak for myself that I would never want to see. So I don't know how I'm going to vote, frankly. Because there is a worry that the city has other ideas, and the city, as explained, could then sell this land, give back the money, and we would be in a real pair. And T6 is not dependent on this. So I'm not sure where I'm going. Well, at some point during the meeting, I'm going to need a motion. But I, I, I don't feel the level of distrust. I just feel for me, just so you know, I just feel that if there's other options out there, I would feel more comfortable if they were fully vetted before the body took action. That's what I'm saying. And if they come back in a month and you look at me and say, we've reached out, we had no willing partner or buyer, I'd be much more confident and comfortable in voting in favor of this. But as of now, I, I'm not there. And I didn't come here thinking that either. So, Thank you, Jesus. So, yes, you have a question. Um, the the uh, fact that there have to be a vote of people to get the early vote boundary, is that to break it? Yes. To break it, does that factor into what you were just saying? Well, again, we get into the politics of everything in the beginning that which uh, reminded me it's not part of our discussion here. Okay. But you may not realize that the city is interested in. In annexing a thousand plus acres east of Greenfield and breaking the urban growth boundary and annexing that area to the city. So that's not true. 
city is not interested in one way or another. The planning commission of the G panel asked the city to think about it. And all the city has done is ask for an EIR, and it will be taken if, uh, if we decide it, will, it could be put on the ballot at some future date, not even this November. It would have to be the it would have to be the council that would approve that would put it on the ballot. My apologies, I misspoke on that. I guess I was taking it from the very suspicious side of things, but I appreciate your correction, and I will correct my correct what I'm saying from now on. Question is that since I'm on the west side, I get to vote on this item. Uh, no, it would be the, the county uh, Sierra Club and the city of Okay. <laughs> all right. Refuse to refuse to have a floor, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, right. I'll make a motion that we approve uh, the sale of this or the purchase of so I'd like to entertain a substitute motion that we table this for 30 days and ask, ask staff to look at other options and bring this back in our March meeting and we can make the determination at that point in time. Unless I'm hearing that there's a sense of urgency from the seller and I'll, or the buyer, the seller rather. I know that these sellers get a little fancy when they're dealing with local governments. I'm dealing with a purchase in on Mines Road to build first or create first SUD in East County. And we've been battling the state on the Williamson Act for over six months. Thank goodness the seller is patiently waiting. Otherwise, I would have lost that property and the, and the opportunity to have an SUD out here. So as long as the seller is not getting antsy, then I, I would appreciate my, subs my substitute motion to be with that. Seconded. Seconded. So roll call vote. Member first. Aye. Member Carly? No. Then, uh, Carol's. Aye. So that brings us to item number five. So, uh, I don't know, I'm number five is a presentation for 125 acres at uh, Greenville Road. Jack, Jake, sorry, or is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six. Cool. Yeah, let's do seven. Yes, yeah, that, I think that we need to get through today, yes. and then we'll go back to six. We do number seven, but the city needs to get back. 
So number seven is the presentation and consideration of $140,000 grant for the Caravante Hills parcel Fairfree Drive. So about LBD Chair Wilson presenting, and I did want to make sure the audience is aware that board members, we do have handouts for that as well, including our PowerPoint. Even a little bit late, sorry, we had to talk to that. That's a little problem. So I want to make sure everybody sees that we have letters from the property owner and our PowerPoint. But so really quick to make sure that video also has that. And again, the public is up here as well. Yeah, sorry, we have a little copy of that. Yeah. So, yeah, we support that. Okay. So, I'll go ahead and get started. So, again, um, I'm, my name is Steve Riley. I'm actually the acting planning manager of the city of Lizard. Um, somebody promoted me here on the slide. Sorry. It's okay. Good afternoon, Mr. Wilson. It's a bit really. Uh, this is a unique brand application, so we'll try to get through it quick, and it's a little different. As you recall, uh, Steve Stewart, our former planning manager, summarized the committee's acquisition criteria to provide the staff the Garibanda property back in September meeting, uh, and updated you on the board's acquisition activities, which speaks itself up today. Next slide, please. The 32 acre site, can you go back one slide? Sorry, thank you. So just this gives you a big context. The 32 acre site is outlined in blue, kind of on the north end of the city. Um, here, kind of between Basco Road and Lofton Road. And it's like in Cincinnati Concrete School, you know, which is just to the south. And of course, it lies north of I-580 there in the middle of the city. And as you'll know, what's different about this property is in the city's urban growth boundary, it's not outside. So the city's urban growth boundary and city boundary is represented by that uh, sort of pink line. This was inside the city. Okay, next slide, please. So here's a close-up view of that same map. Uh, so uh, this image includes the city's boundary in pink and the North Livermore urban growth boundary in the dotted line. So they're co-terminus here in this area. Uh, this image includes the city's general plan designation, which is UL1, that stands for urban low residential, urban low residential, which is one to 1.5 dwelling units per acre. The property is adjacent to the Garavento Wetlands Reserve, which is just to the left of the uh, property in the OSP designation, and which is only managed by the Livermore Area Clubs and Administrators. You can see sort of the informal trails that are worn into the uh, Garavento property already um, from folks accessing the site. I, I myself was out there just living, had a number of young kids biking uh, by me right on the top of the hill there. Next slide, please. We have some photos of the site. Here are three images from different vantage points, including the end of Bear Creek Drive looking west. Looking north from Altamont Creek Park, and looking directly west from North Basco Road, the dash lines outline the two knolls on the property. As uh, Steve mentioned, uh, in September, the site has an extensive history that we won't go into detail for now. But going back to uh, 2019, the Livermore City Council approved a 44 unit single family subdivision on the site. Later in 2019, Save the Hill group filed a lawsuit challenging the Environmental Impact Report certification 
and approval of the findings. Superior Court denied the group's challenge. Sandy Hill Group appealed, and in 2022, the Court of Appeals Court of Appeal reversed the Superior Court's decision. The appellate court ruled that the no project alternative to EAR should have considered preserving the project site as open space instead of developing it. Using potential funding from the Ultima Landfill Open Space Committee and Open Space Funds in the Dorothy Valley Settlement Committee. Private applicant Lafferty Communities, the property owners for the Garaventa property, have exercised their right to modify the environmental impact report to bring the project back for review by the city. Consistent with the court's findings, the mill project alternative analysis of the EIR will be modified to evaluate the potential of preserving the site as open space with funds from the Ultima Land Open Space Committee and from the Doherty Valley's Open Agreement Fund. In response to the appellate court's ruling, the city presents this application to address the deficiencies in the EIR compared to the 44 unit residential development on the property. In other words, we're required to seek funding from this committee as well as the Dirty Valley Settlement Agreement uh, to preserve this site as open space for the judges' orders. Next slide, please. You see the, uh, the Open Space Committee's funding criteria to criteria that are in the agreement. So just a quick review for things that you like to know. So next slide. So based on that funding criteria from the Open uh, Space Committee on the previous slide, um, we did our analysis. There are documented occurrences of California tiger salamander and California red like a frog nearby, and the site consists of non-native grasslands that has been that has potential to serve as dispersal and or excavation habitat for those species. Birds observed on or nearby the site in the past when they are expected to forage and nest on the site. You see some of the occurrences around the sites right there in the middle, and some of the occurrences are in those uh, hashed circles. Next slide, please. The seasonal wetland, which is 0 0.004 acres in the western portion of the project, which is shown on this slide, is potentially suitable habitat for vernal pool fairy shrimp. Because the fairy shrimp occur in outlying pools of varying depths that are reported. In that are, there are recorded occurrences of species nearby, and the property lies within the designated critical habitat of the very shrimp. The wetland is likely the result of a hole dug to create a dirt bite. Next slide, please. So here's another, again, another close up of the site. Again, you note that there's suburban development to the south, across the creek, as well as the school. Uh, to the right of that. The site includes a couple of knolls with varying elevations between approximately 537 and 607 feet above mean sea level. It is, a, it is visible to a smaller, more localized area in the surrounding homes from Ultima Creek Park and from Basco Road. The property has a 0.24 rating from U-Shed on the community's mapping tool. The private property does not have formal public trails but again, the public does access the site and has more informal trails across the site, which is likely to result in a 1.0 recreation rate mapping tool. 
Next slide, please. And of course, you, again, you see the funding criteria, the first two that are the agreement, and then the additional criteria that's been adopted by the committee itself. So I'm gonna address these next three, criteria three through five. First of all, regarding strategic value and land protection. The property is within the city of Livermore, North Livermore, North Livermore Urban Boundary, and within the city boundary. The city typically seeks to strengthen the urban growth boundary by acquiring properties beyond, beyond the boundary to control and stabilize land use. According to the mapping tool, this property is not within the top 100 parcels for land conservation and prioritization. However, the property is directly north of Altamont Creek and east of the Garamento Wetlands Preserve, owned and managed by LARPD. So the property would be strategic in terms of its adjacency to the Garamento Wetlands Preserve, and the parcels to the north where drainage flows to the greater Springtown Alkali Preserve. The subject property gets a zero in the three connectivity categories of the mapping tool. Uh, the next criteria, additional funding sources. City staff would meet and confer with Citizens for Balanced Growth to utilize open space funds from the Doherty Valley Settlement Agreement to contribute half of the acquisition and tra transaction costs, approximately $440,000. Use of the Doherty Valley Settlement Doherty Valley Open Space Funds is subject to review and approval by the Livermore City Council. And then the third Right there, number five, if they're willing sellers. The owners are not willing sellers, are not willing to sell the property to the city for open space values. We'll discuss the sale of the property for residential value because they're currently in contract with property communities. We provided, I just passed out right here for the public. We provided copies of these letters that were recently sent to the owners asking if they are willing to sell the property to the city first for open space values. And then secondly, if they're interested in selling it to us for suburban residential values, which are much higher based on the zoning for the area. In both cases, they responded uh, in writing that they're not willing to sell it to the city at this time. And they under contract with that, they want to pursue the uh, suburban development project that was approved uh, once already. Criteria listed on this slide are the same criteria included in the committee standard grant application for acquisition of open space, open space land. To date, all of the open space acquisitions utilizing Ultimate Settlement funding have met all five of these criteria, including Willie Seller. Next slide, please. Marble stone. This slide includes the proposed funding breakdown for acquiring the irrevocable property at open space value. Based on the five criteria used by the committee to determine whether to contribute towards the acquisition of the property, which includes a willing seller, the property does not appear to be eligible for funding from the ultimate open space fund. The question before the committee is whether to contribute $440,000 based on the open space value or higher value based on the on a residential fair market value, which we estimate to be $15 to $25 million. We do not have appraisal done, but based on our own experience uh, with residential projects and values and um, conferring with some brokers in the community, we have that ready for this, for this property. That's what it would cost suburban residential fair market value. Thanks, and our team is available for any questions that can be made.
It's a little unusual. Happy to answer any questions you may have. Yeah, thank you. Um, any questions from members of the committee? So just to confirm, we did send a letter to the trust asking if they would accept the development phase price for the property and they turned us to. Yes, we have sent uh, again, there's two letters that we sent that uh, asked for open space value. And secondly, we said they're not interested. Secondly, uh, are they interested in talking to us about selling it at fair market value? And they said, no, we're not. Uh, we didn't give a price for the second letter because we had another appraisal. But uh, yes, anyone else? In your grant proposal, as listed by the, the county website, your grant summary it says the grant application is for permanent open space preservation. Right now, it's zoned uh, zone residential. Does that mean the city has the intention of rezoning it from? Residential into So this is just the first step of what would be a long process. If they wanted to sell it to the city, then in that case, we would talk to them about open space, long-term open space. Uh, yes, there'd be a number of things that have to be done. Um, can't speak to the city council, they have to make. If, for example, the general plan was changed to be the open space, it's a residential that would have to be done through the city council action to change that, uh, as well as the zoning would have to be changed to some sort of open space zone. So, uh, yeah, that's there's a number of steps that would have to happen to. My, my basic question is that right now it's zoned as residential, residential, and now it's saying 15 to 25 million. If this if this funding sort of if our committee and Doherty Valley and the city got together, raised the fifteen or twenty million dollars to purchase it, if they were willing sellers, which they're not, but if they were willing sellers to sell to us at fair market value, and we were all able to raise the 15, 16, say twenty million dollars, would the city be willing to rezone it as open space? Where the value of that land would go from 16 to 20 million down to million plus. What's the city going to say that's not good use of taxpayer money? We just bought it for 15 million. <laughs> we want to develop it, which goes against the whole rationale for this committee to help fund things. I think that'd be up to the city council. City council's the body that would change the zoning. I guess I'm sort of asking in a roundabout way, is the city willing to change the zoning if the grant application says it's for permanent open space preservation? I don't know how you can predict the future. So um, just a little perspective. The way, again, what we're doing here is we are following the direction of the court and steps we have to take to ensure that we have Generally pursued using this land as permit open space, pursuing as permit open space. Again, having we're been directed over both this committee, the Dory Valley Settlement Committee, to ask that question. Uh, 
staff's perspective, we think our open space money can go much further um, in other acquisitions because the cost of this land is, again, at suburban values right now. That's what we would have to pay, 15, 25 million. And again, we do not, we're not interested. So uh, we're, if, in fact, if, that's, if they are willing to, yeah, we don't do a lot of steps. There are many steps after that, but they're not willing to sell this. So we just want to make sure that he's keenly aware of that. We want to change sort of the past practice off of always having to sell. So. All right, first of all, for public transparency, I'm a director of the Livermore Area Recreation Park District. We own the Caravanta wetlands immediately west of this area. Speaking for the OERPD, the OERPD has never discussed this property in the Garavante Hill. The OERPD has never discussed it nor taken any position on it. I'm not representing the OERPD today, representing the Sierra Club, but people should know that I am a director of the park district. Full transparency is that I have given money to save the hill to sue the city because of a variety of different issues, but you should know that, that I have I put my money where my mouth is. Thank you. My concern is, I appreciate it. My concern is that when the city lost this lawsuit, and you tell me if I'm going to the political side and I should stay quiet. When the city lost the lawsuit, they were told that they didn't include a, a several options, including a, a no action option, and it seems to me that this is being brought, this grant request is now being brought to us, potentially not as a legitimate grant request, because you know you don't have a, a, a will and sword. But in order to fulfill the requirements of the court, to be able to say you did everything you wanted, the court wanted them to do, wanted you to do, and now you can go ahead and approve Lafferty because you as the city have fulfilled the court's mandate. And I'm not sure that that's really a, val a valid request to us. Well, I appreciate that comment. Um, are there no more questions? Yes, maybe unrelated to this at all, but how is this property treated in the in the new Newport housing element? Well, it, it, it's so it's had suburban zoning for about 50 years, uh, at least 50 years, actually, maybe longer. So it, it's assumed to be like it has been for many years. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's assumed to be housing in both our general plan and housing in all zoning changes whatsoever. Um, there are no, 50 years. Um, I don't know if there's any other changes. I think maybe density was changed over twice many years ago. Generally, it's been suburban for over 50 years. Thank you. And also, I have Mr. Nightbird's question. I mean, this started at what, 80, 80 units or 70 some units? Yeah, uh, it started in, uh, I think it was uh, 70 some units, and it's been reduced down. 44 units 75, now. 76, now to 44. Yeah, down to 44 units. So just for context, the process, the applicant, of course, has the right to ask to move that EIR and the project forward again. The city has the obligation to 
process that application. So the applicant said they would like to do that. So that is their right as the order to revise the EIR for the judge's order and to then take that up as well as the new seven pilots to the planning commission city council to make the ultimate decision. But again, they have the right, it's their property, and the city has the obligation to uh, consider their application. That's what they told the city. Therefore, it, it's a there that was solved at this point. Thank you. Any further questions? Is there any members of the community that are in attendance that would like to speak on item number seven? Please. I guess Mr. Mann, you're up. Thank you, Chair Wilson. Um, I am not representing citizens for violence really in my comments right here. Um, um, maybe you know, the, the, the board of uh, you received my, my email. Uh, this is this is a forced uh, application to spend any of the fund response money. Um, and uh, honestly, I uh, sort of was saying this was going to be at the end, and I was staying uh, partly for entertainment audience to see if uh, Steve would uh, be able to deliver this with a straight face, and, and I saw him cracking up a little bit. I thought it was close. I was kind of crying inside. Uh, but um, he uh, Let me just say this, make, make this very clear. If it was not going to be pronounced, they're compelled to do some things after the court told them they have to do some things. Their estimate of what they had to do, um, this is going to be a, another year's law process. We're not going to be Buying anytime soon, as long as the developer is, is uh, as delusional as they are, that they think they can make a successful project out of this. So now I'm going to put on my chief financial officer hat, which is my day job, and I'm going to say to myself, okay, what, what do they really need right now? Because we have to make a decision. So I don't want to take that. What do they really need right now and what's best for you? And I think probably this is one case where what they need and what you need is probably about the same. If you grant this, then you're going to have a liability on the books until they spend it. And then, like I say, it's going to be years before uh, this is all over, you know, before, um, If you deny it, they've still got what they need today because they came in time. Uh, and get keep up the books. So that's what I would like. Thank you. Next speaker, is that Dick Schneider? Yes. Slide. It's never happened before. I had a power failure. Okay. So, 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 so,
ask, is this really a serious proposal? And is this trying to get something done to check a box so that development can move forward? I don't think it is a serious proposal. The uh, city has proposed spending $31,250 on the cross property, which is a 32 acre parcel, not very far from this parcel. We're asking for $27,140 per acre for this property. The cross property is outside the urban growth boundary. It's designated, it's got a Williamson Act contract on it. It's not going to be developed. This is inside the urban growth boundary, land unit development zone. It should have, at a minimum, a higher value than what is in the proposal for $880,000. What I wanted, to, there we go. This area here, this triangular area, triangle in the square next to it, is called the Farber property. The, this committee um, helped fund East Bay Regional Park District to acquire that Farber property in 2011. The Farber property also is inside the city's urban growth boundary, also land unit development. And the, the project um, received $41,000 per acre. If $41,000 per acre were applied to the Garaventa Hill property, it would be equivalent to 55, I'm sorry. And if that was $41,000 in 2011 per acre, if you escalate the cost of money, the dollar value of the money now, which is about $1.36 for every dollar in 2011, you'd spend $1.36 now. This parcel would get a bid of $1,784,000 if it were equivalent to the Farber property in today's dollars. So at 30, 32 acres. Now, if that were in this proposal, it might be a serious proposal. And perhaps the sellers might think about, might think at least that this was somewhat fair, but $880,000 to me is not, is not reasonable. Um, and of course, they're not gonna answer it. They're not gonna do anything while they're in contract with the developer, but if they got a serious proposal, they might decide to hold out and wait till the contract is fixed. Thank you. Next speaker. Yes. I don't think we have one person online. Um, thank you very much, especially because the people get to vote on the whole office. And thank you, Mr. Wilson, um, for sharing great discretion. And you, Mr. Harley, in six years, you haven't spent a lot of money. That's amazing in today's times. It's amazing. And I wouldn't be in this economy too anxious to hurry up and spend money. You're doing the right thing by waiting a few months to see who comes up and who's willing to preserve the very intention of what your heart is. Just because you have money doesn't mean you need to it. And I think you know that. I think you guys have used tremendous discretion. I think with this particular property here, as well as the other ones, we also need to go to deliver more more and get things clarified before we're willing to hand out more money. Get things made very, very clear. 
and then go after it. Because none of these properties, anybody's really going hard after. They're not. They're going to be okay if they sit for a little while longer, even just 90 days. It's not the end of the world. And I think that you planners have got a really hard job to do. Really hard job. You're walking a fine line. But at the end of the day, the legacy that you leave in your job, knowing that you've done a good job, you want it for us too, just like they do. And I thank you all of you very much. Trying to do the right thing in the midst of also trying to do a job. Thank you. Thank you. Any more in-person speakers? Go yeah. mm -hmm. online. Just fill out a card and turn it in after. So we'll go to Carol next. Hi, I'm Carol Silva. And I'm all for saving Garavante Hills and the open space there. It's a very unique uh, biodiverse uh, landscape there. But I agree with the previous speakers um, that this really is not enough money. It's not going to incentivize anything. And it, it's like it's just something that the city wants to say, okay, we made an offer and the the landowners decided against it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how the motion is going to uh, be presented or how the votes are going to go on this, but to me, it doesn't seem to be an adequate offer for the landowners for Garavante property. And um, again, I, I do appreciate trying to save Garavante Hills, but the price tag doesn't seem like the city really is interested in saving Garavante. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is uh, Mr. Brayden. Hi. I will uh, agree with uh, all the people who are talking about the high economic value if you have uh, land that can be developed into uh, luxury suburban housing. It's uh, uh, very uh, very hard to compete with that. But uh, uh, this thing is just reminds me quite a bit of Cayetano Park in uh, Livermore, which is next to Los Cedars College. And uh, if you take uh, if you go there and look up at those empty hills next to the park. It sounds, sounds like just like this, and there are people taking their little bikes up and down those uh, dirt hills, and it's a it's a fun place. Like apparently, for the not the people are not just hanging out in the park down there; they're running up and down the the rural hills, and they they like that. Uh, it's uh, it's very very nice, um, and I've personally been been to that one. Um, then there's this idea of Williamson Act contracts. Williamson Act contracts are uh, apparently a scam in Alameda County. There's a place in Palomaris uh, Creek, an uh, unnamed tributary of Palomaris Creek, which got erased. The creek doesn't exist on paper because it doesn't, it's not, it's the water course deep protection ordinance is what it is. And that creek uh, then had a, a, an airstrip extension put into it. And now that airstrip extension got inspected by county inspectors. And all these pictures show you an industrial stocking down there, um, run by a giant concrete uh, uh, contracting company. Well, it's an act contract. Um, then over by the uh, Sinole water treatment plant, the county has, you know, 
10 or six, nine or 16 acre parcel, at least nine acres. And uh, the, uh, the, the owner, uh, Williamsburg Contract, an excavating company, uh, they, uh, they, they paved it with hardback gravel and, and uh, piled it full of, uh, of giant diameter uh, uh, sewage pipes, concrete sewage pipes for a couple of years, and now those are gone, but it's now still paved. So that's your Williamson Act contract protecting the land, the agricultural values of the land is, are, have been completely destroyed, at least in my mind, when you pave it and, uh, and do these things. So Williamson Act contract, technically speaking, the way they operate is very technical. It's very legalistic. It's very soft. Uh, sophistry abounds here. The sophistry is we don't allow uh, uh, structures, but if we have, you know, maybe the, the industrial stockyards or if we have large uh, industrial uh, storage yards and excavated, graded, paved, whatever, it's okay. It's okay. Because the leak, the the, the county does not enforce the Williamson Act contracts. Thanks. Thank you. Any more in-person speakers? Thank you. Yeah, speaker here. I just wanted to clarify about the. I really support urban growth easement and TBC, and I know Andy worked there. I was the chairman, and I was on that board. So I really would like you guys to investigate that more requiring. Uh, easements on your property. So I think you have to say, I'm not going to get it for this amount of money. I really want it, you're going to have to put more money. Okay. Thank you. More public comment? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the committee for motion. So we've offered a lady, I think in her name fast. We offered them. Development prices, and they said no. What's the chance that we double the price for Mr. Schneider's point about 880 and then 1760 or 1.7? What are they going to say? I can only speculate, but based on the letters, the responses, they weren't even interested at suburban market rate values, which is much higher than the open space value. And they, this is the third time that they told us in writing they're not lowering sell in contract and they want to move forward with their development proposal. So it wasn't a surprise to us. So I can only guess, but I would be surprised if they would accept the higher open space value, even if it was double, since they said no the third or fourth time. Well, I'll move that up and one point seven six million, which seems to be the the public rules. Yeah, I can check on that. Motion was to offer go back and offer the 1.7 and see what their answer to that, that question seems to be about what the community is asking. Point of order. Uh, may, I, may I ask, are you asking them to then bring back a grant application 
if, if the if seller accepts the offer, correct. Thank you for that clarity because I didn't know. Mr. Mosher, we have a second. We'll call those. All right. Aye. Wilson? Yes. Thank you. So can I do one thing for the sake of time? Can I put, can you present five and six? Can I jointly put those together? Is that okay? No problem. Okay. Let me request that you continue the next two items to our next meeting. That acceptable on the motion to do that. How will we postpone the next two items to our next meeting? Chair. Both of them. Yes. Real quick, to do the future agendas, items, and speakers. We have four, five, six, and seven of them coming back. Um, anything else? So our next meeting. Oh, yeah. I don't want. Maybe it came May. Yeah. Um, next meeting is March fifteenth. Just make note of the different location. We have the public works building in Dublin on Gleason. Any questions or comments from the members of the committee? Seeing none. Meeting adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.